0: Hey there, product security pros, David and Shlomi here.
1: Hosting the Left to Our Own Devices podcast has been a privilege. During the past two years, we had the opportunity to chat with top product security minds from the likes of CISA, the FDA, Boston Scientific, Jaguar Land Rover, and many others.
0: 20,000 listeners and 50 plus guests later, we thought it was time to take things to the next level and launch the first virtual conference for product security. Left to Our Own Devices, the conference. Join us on April 3rd, 9 a.m. EST for fascinating and practical sessions from the world's top product security minds across industry, government, and academia. Entirely online and completely free.
1: KPMG, Showstack & Associates, OpsRite, Valentium, and ASRG have already joined as partners or speakers. To sign up for free and save your spot, go to cybellum.com conference.
0: That's c-y-b-e-l-l-u-m dot com slash conference
1: see you there and enjoy the show
0: you're listening to left to our own devices the podcast dedicated to everything product security
1: Our guest today is Tom Allrich. He is a well-known independent consultant and blogger about supply chain, cybersecurity, and software bills of material (SBOMs) for electric power and other industries. Tom has consulted in these areas since 2008, working previously for Honeywell and Deloitte. Since 2018, Tom has been an independent consultant. He has especially focused on software supply chain cybersecurity. In the past two years, and has been an active volunteer participant and group leader in both the NERC Supply Chain Working Group and the US government's software component transparency initiative, formerly under the NTIA, but now under CISA, CISA. His widely followed blog is called Tom Allrich's Blog. Tom lives in Evanston, Illinois, and has a BA in economics from the University of Chicago. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. I'm pleased to be here. So maybe we can start off, since you spend a lot of time in the world of uh, SBOMs, software bills of material, and VEXs, for those who are not familiar with them, maybe you can give a brief explanation. What are SBOMs and VEXs?
2: Sure. The reason why these two types of documents are important is that software nowadays is pretty much made up of components, you know. Ninety percent of the stuff that's in software or the code is was not written by the company you bought it from. <laughs> it was written by third parties um of various types, sometimes commercial ninety um, percent though are open source. So you can say that the software developer nowadays doesn't really write software. they just kind of put some glue you know put the components together and then they call it and that's their product. I mean it's it's great because it, it allows them to create software much more cheaply and much more effectively than they could if they had to write everything themselves. In fact, most software you have today would never ever get written because it would be so hard without doing without components. So the problem is that those components all come with risks and you need to follow the risks and users need to follow the risks. They should not wait for their suppliers to, fix things in components because you know their suppliers to be honest are not always you know it's kind of out of sight out of mind if their users don't know what don't know what the components are in the product they're not going to know about vulnerabilities in those components etc and therefore they're not going to bug the suppliers about them so they're they're probably like most of us we're not going to do something if you know or we're going to put it off anyway before you know if it if no one's bugging us about it, well, you know, I mean, in that, that opinion, so a software bill of materials tells you in a machine readable format, what the components are in a software product or in an intelligent device. Um, pretty much everything we talk about today will apply both the software products and intelligent devices. There are slight differences between them, but not much as far as this goes. But then there's a separate type of document called a VEX. EX stands for Vulnerability Exploitability Exchange. Although this is one of the cases where the acronym was <laughs> the the acronym came first, and then they thought up uh, about what the acronym means. Um, <laughs> you know, and this only came up a couple years ago, and the need for it. But the problem is, which is actually in one way good, you can look in a vulnerability database like the National Vulnerability Database, the NVD. And you can look at the component name and you can find, uh, you know, vulnerabilities that apply that component. And then what you should do, of course, is contact your supplier about those vulnerabilities and find when they're going to patch them. You know, most users can't write a patch themselves for software they, they run. They've got (laughs) to rely on the supplier. And the best thing you can do is, you know, coordinate with them about how they're going to actually patch it. But it turns out that probably 95% 90 to 95% of the of the vulnerabilities that you identify in the national vulnerability database it, let's say you have an s bomb you from the s bomb you find you know he has components a b c d etc then you you go and look up a b c d in the national vulnerability database and you find aha here are these different vulnerabilities and of course in the nvd that those all have a cve name um the component the vulnerability does and you say, aha, Mr. Supplier, what about these let's say you find a hundred vulnerabilities that way in components in a product and you call them up about this those component those vulnerabilities and say, hey, when are you gonna fix these hundred vulnerabilities? And they point out to you, well, you know what? Ninety-five of those hundred are not actually exploitable. (laughs) (sighs) That is, if an attacker attacked you you know the software they would never be able to exploit that vulnerability um so essentially those vulnerabilities are not really there now you know and there are various reasons why that can happen one is that you know in fact a very good example is log4j you know that's a library it has four modules uh, i think it's four but anyway it has several modules only one of them was the one that had those vulnerabilities, the log4shell, it's called. Um, but that's part of the log4j component. Your S-bomb will just show there's log4j in there. It won't show that actually the supplier just implemented one module and it wasn't log4shell. <laughs> so you will say, oh, my gosh, here's log4j in my product. Mr. Supplier, when are you going to fix that? And they will say patiently, well, you know what? You're the 271st person who's called about this question today. <laughs> but, um, you know, as what I told all the others was, this is not a problem in our product because we never implemented log4shell. And therefore, there's no way an attacker could cause that vulnerability, to, you know, could exercise that vulnerability. And so the problem is that if you don't know that, if you don't know that information, you're going to be wasting tons of your time worrying about vulnerabilities that aren't exploitable. And you're going to be wasting tons of the supplier's time, you know, telling you that, no, no, they're not exploitable. And they pick up the phone again. No, no, it's not exploitable. No, no, it's not exploitable. You know, it's not very good for morale on their help desk. Um, And so the suppliers are the ones who really, you know, a couple of really big suppliers are the ones who really push for these vex documents. And so this government organization that was working on these things produced um, you know, format. In fact, there are two formats right now for um for vexes. And so the idea is you will get from your supplier these s-bombs which will tell you the the components, and then you'll get Vexes which will tell you, well, you know what, these particular vulnerabilities which you're going to find as applicable to these components are not actually real and you don't have to worry about them and so the point is if you do all that in a machine readable format then you'll basically you'll just be left with the exploitable component vulnerabilities and those are the ones you ought to bug your supplier about (laughs) but um and you could you know again you could scan for them in your product itself you wouldn't be able to do too much about them but you could scan just to see if they were there or not but the point is that um, you really need both, because otherwise, if you don't, if you have S bombs but no vexes, you're not, you know, you're probably going to end up wasting a lot of your time and a lot of suppliers' time.
0: Right, right. I, I think it's fascinating because the more software components you have in devices, um, the more overwhelming uh, S bombs will be. And we all know that the amount of software is just growing exponentially, so you'll get to a point where you can't even go through all of these ass bombs and and really get the 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 bottom lines out of it. and I think this is why these two frameworks are are important together as you as you say. um so let's let's double click on it because it really started taking the product security world by storm, both assbomb and, and vexes. Where do you think this framework is headed and and what do you think product security teams should prepare themselves for when it comes to uh, S-bombs and faxes?
2: Well, they need to prepare themselves for frustration. (laughs) (laughs) Because right now, I mean, S-bombs are being very successfully used in the supplier community for their own internal purposes, because they need to know about problems in the components, obviously, in their own products. Because they, you know, might say, "Hey, this component—they're just too risky. We need to get rid of that." So, you know, they're the ones who really need to know it. But, you know, everything you read about S bombs and is about, you know, really end users. You know, hospitals, electric utilities, you know, insurance companies, banks. You know, everybody uses software, and everybody is faced with the same problem. Um, some, a few industries are more like healthcare are more a little ahead of the curve in terms of actually doing something about it. But, um, the fact is that there is no industry now, um, with the one exception (laughs) of the European auto industry, and it's a very small number of companies. On the other hand, it's a very big, (laughs) they're all very big companies. They're using S-bombs heavily, but they're using them for license management purposes, not for- cybersecurity purposes so it's really not the same thing but um other than them there's no industry that is using s-bombs to any degree at all where the suppliers are distributing them in fact i know of no supplier now i don't know about the u.s military and i don't know about the cia um nsa i know they've been big about s-bombs for Years, so I don't know what they have. But other than them, I know of no non-military industry that is using them to any degree at all, or they're being distributed. I I don't know of any supplier that's distributing S-bombs now on a regular basis to their customers. I know of one supplier that will give a customer an S-bomb if they ask for it, but they're not pushing them out because you know they're not getting any demand. So then the question, you know, what P certs really need to think about now is why aren't people asking for these, you know, and what can we do to smooth these things out? It turns out there are a bunch of holes. Like the biggest reason why people and users aren't using S bombs is there aren't either open source or low-cost tools available to actually do this work. Basically, you bring the S bomb in machine readable you know it, it finds it pulls the components out of it and then it um you know goes to the national vulnerability database and checks all those components you know and then it it finds vulnerabilities comes back puts them in a database and then the the vexes start to come in and they say oh well you know that vulnerability really isn't exploitable so it takes those out and you know so it, it does all that for them well there's no tool now that does that period There's maybe one or two tools, one open source tool, which has actually been around since 2012, um, dependency track, which does actually take in S-bombs and look for vulnerabilities and store those and then updates them on a regular basis. I mean, I think you can do it as often as you want, maybe daily. You really ought to do this daily. You really ought to go out every day to the NVD find new vulnerabilities that apply to the components and remove vulnerabilities that no longer appear for whatever reason. And so, you know, you need a tool like that. You need tools like that. You need services like that. There is no service right now other than hourly services, you know, hourly consulting services. Yeah, you can get anything you want, but the problem is, you know, that's not scalable, you know? Essentially, the market for S bombs is every organization in the world, every government organization, every private industry organization. You need mass market <laughs> products. You need mass market services, which are not built on an hourly basis. They're, you know, built like, you know, your electric service, you know. <laughs> and so that's what's really needed. Um, that's probably the most important thing. Needed before people can start using them. So, right now, and unfortunately, you know, the government agency that, you know, this agency called the NTIA, which their effort ended at the end of last year, part of the US Department of Commerce, but they put out some pretty good documents. They're all focused on suppliers, on, on how you get the S bombs together, you know, what the formats are, how you produce them, et cetera. And they're very good. Unfor- unfortunately, they there's not a single document there that addresses end users what the end users do with the damn things when they get them meanwhile there's a um the executive order ordering s-bombs or ordering federal agencies to start getting or asking for s-bombs from their suppliers that comes into effect in august so you know the agencies are all going to go out to their suppliers and they're going to say give me an S bomb the suppliers will give them the S bombs they, they'd love to you know and then what are the agencies going to do with them they don't have any tool to use them you know you can have tens of thousands or certainly thousands of components in a single product the average product has about 150 components but it can easily be much more than that but even 150 is huge you know you couldn't handle that manually you have to have a tool the tools aren't there the services aren't there <laughs> Now they're coming, but, you know, they're not going to be in volume by August, you can be sure. So, you know, I've suggested that, you know, one use for the federal agency for s monks would they could, they could print them out and use them to wrap fish or they could um, print them out and <laughs> paper paper the walls of their house. Right. I, would, I, I didn't do the math, but I think if you had like 10,000 components, you you probably cover the walls of probably a mansion, not, not just a regular house. But anyway, you know, that's probably not the best use of them. But that's the problem. They, there's nothing they can do with them right now and nothing practical. So I know there's one service that will be available that will be low cost and, you know, is not on the hourly model. That's the thing. So it's, you know, the, the idea is you want these services to decline over time. You want the cost of the products to decline over time you know i mean that's the way look at the in- computer industry you know the way prices decline there that's that's what you have to have with S bombs, and you know hourly consulting services and kind of boutique type products are unfortunately you know they're they're great for certain you know i mean companies who are really into it great but for end users who have lots of things to spend their money on you know f- they're not going to be a mass market And this has to be treated as a mass market. And so right now, what you have is you have all these suppliers and things pushing on a string. They're trying to say, yeah, we got all these S bombs. You ready for them? You want them? And no one's pulling on the other end of the string. (laughs) Well, you're not going to make much progress there by pushing on one end and not, not pulling on the other. You know, the string's not going to move. It's just going to bunch up. And that's what's happened right now. So we need to get the other end of the string moving. David and I are part of a group that right now is talking about that. You know, what can we do to get the consumption side going? You know, this, the production side is pretty good. You know, S-bombs are produced. That's pretty good now. I mean, there's, you know, I'm sure stuff that can be improved, but that's there. But what can be done now to, on the consumption side? Um, another thing is just, there's got to be a you know document. In fact, the first real narrative of, what can be done on the consumption side was published a week ago by Fortress Information Security. And um, I have a blog post up that you can find that in. But otherwise, I can maybe I'll I'll send you the, the URL for it. And you could I don't know whether you publish it with the podcast or just look up Fortress Information Security and, and you'll find it in their resources section. But sure. um, the point is, it is. The only document now that really addresses—and I, I will admit—I'm a consultant to Fortress. I contributed some ideas to the paper. I did not write it. You know, they had other people writing it. But it is literally the only document right now that addresses consumption, and it's not complete. You know, there's a lot more that could be said about vexes, contract language is a huge area that it doesn't address. Um, you know, there are lots of other things, and there's more that's going to come up too, I'm sure. So you know, there's just a lot that needs to be done. It isn't being done now, and we're hoping this group that Dave and I are part of are hoping to, um, you know, turn that
1: around. Right. You know. Um, so one of just touching on what you said, um, two of the challenges that we're finding uh, when we when we're dealing with SBOMs are one is the quality of the SBOM itself, uh, which sometimes mm-hmm. depends yeah. on. The source code scanning or the binary scanning, the depth with which uh, or, or the amount of details that the supplier provides. And occasionally or often, they don't supply all of the details and it's left to the device manufacturer to uncover those details and try to drill down to get them. And the second is the kind of uh, vulnerability testing they're doing against those bombs to actually understand whether or not there are vulnerabilities that need to be remediated. So I'm interested to hear from you, what are the challenges you know, that you see that um, need to be met in order to enable widespread usage of S-bombs and VEXs in the market?
2: You know, I mean, there, there are technical issues why, why you're, you, know, you might have low-quality S-bombs. That's not what's holding the market back. What's holding the market back is no one knows what to do with this stuff now. Mm. So that's the problem you you know you can improve you're you know you're pushing on the end of the string well maybe you can improve that part of it a little better and push more efficiently the front of the string isn't going to move until someone's pulling on that on the front of the string on the end of the string the front end so that's what you need and right now nobody's pulling on the front end of the string so you can improve it all you want yeah i mean there's stuff you know the best thing is if the S-bomb is produced as part of the final build of the software, you know, and so that's what you really want. Uh, although even then, you know, there are other considerations you want, want to consider. But I mean, that's kind of, that's not what the problem is. That's not with holding S-bombs back. What's holding them back is the users have no idea what they're going to do with them and they don't care and they're not asking for them and the suppliers aren't going to push them out on them and and then the other thing is the suppliers are worried about the non-exploitability problem, you know, the vex thing. And the vexes are they're behind schedule. They actually I I was somewhat exaggerating when I said there are two formats. There's one format which is ready to go, available now. It's based on Cyclone DX the S-bomb format. And the other one is based on the European CSAF, CSAF well, it's not just European, but um, it's an international vulnerability reporting standard. Again, machine-readable format. That is kind of just being finalized. But the problem is there aren't any tools right now to create either Cyclone DX or CSAF VEXs. And so every supplier is going to have to do a bunch of learning <laughs> at the present time in order to create a VEX. and. Mm-hmm. Some suppliers will do it very easily. The big ones, you know, it's not going to be a problem. But a lot of others, they're going to say, "Look, I don't have time for this," you know. And yet, if they don't have, if they can't put out vexes, they're not really going to want to put out S bombs because of this problem that they're going to have their support lines overwhelmed. So I've, you know, I've been saying all along, I don't see S bombs being widely used until vexes are used are widely available. And then, so that's another part, you know, that the, the va- lack of vexes is another big thing that's holding back demand for S-bombs.
1: Okay, so maybe just to follow up on that question, if if we take a medical device manufacturer as an example, and their suppliers who are providing them with components are providing S-bombs, and then the medical device manufacturer takes those S-bombs, includes it within the S-bombs of the overall, let's say, almost a system of systems, right? Because you have the S-bombs from the suppliers, which might be various suppliers. And then you have the integrated device, which will be its own S-bomb because it it includes all of these other S-bombs plus whatever the device manufacturer integrates in together. And then all of that goes to somebody in the hospital and they're receiving the S-bomb from the device manufacturer. What do you think needs to be done at the point um, when that device is delivered to the hospital in order to really make it effective?
2: Well, you know, they need a tool. It doesn't really matter. It's, it's all going to be machine readable. So even the SBOM can be as complex as you want, and it's not going to be a problem when, they're, when the, the tools are there. Right now, the tools aren't there. There, as I said, is going to be one service available. The problem is going to be that, you know, it doesn't matter how complex they are. They don't, can't do anything with them. There's one hospital, I will be honest, the richest hospital in the U.S., who actually built their own tools, uh, New York Presbyterian, and they they are going to open source those. And well, it, it's one tool. In fact, it's called Daggerboard, and they're kind of working out the legal side of it, and then they'll be able to open source it. It doesn't do everything. It doesn't address VEXes at all. It's just S-bombs, but it does looks like it probably does a good job with the S-bombs. So it's better than nothing. <laughs> and so that will be available and dependency track now is available and and of course that doesn't do us It vexes, although say steve springett is the creator of cyclone dx and he's also the creator of dependency track the interesting thing is he created dependency track in 2012 which was about five years before the word s bomb even came into existence and and yet and yet you know so his he just calls everything a bomb and he and he can deal with hardware and all sorts of things um as a bill of materials but the point is that no mistake at all that uh, he's behind probably the two most important developments (laughs) in the s world so it's his tool dependency track and when i say his it's an open source tool but you know he's the main one on the that project so that will be able to ingest vexes as well starting in the summer so you'll have that tool you'll have this other third-party service which will be available and there may be other tools available, you know, maybe the, probably not the staggerboard product from New York Presbyterian, I don't think we'll be able to ingest vexes by the summer. So, you know, you'll have at least a couple options, but that's not what's required. You need lots of options. You need very sophisticated and they're probably, you know, they're going to be bugs. This is stuff that's brand new. So, um, you know, there's just so much that has to be done.
0: So uh, on that note, Tom, we want to thank you very, very much for for these insights. We we definitely learned a lot and there's a lot more to learn. So we we look forward to being a part of the conversation and make asbom and Vexes a standard that that we all use, not just some. So uh, we thank you for the time. Thank you. Left to Our Own Devices is brought to you by Cybellum. To learn more, visit cybellum.com.